Well, good evening. If you have a Bible, open yours to Revelation chapter 8, the 8th chapter in the book of the Revelation. I'm going to begin by reading verse 1, the verse that we started last week's lesson with. Revelation 8 and 1. And when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Last week we learned silence is the biblical response to judgment. And, and we learned one more thing. Why the silence in Revelation 8 and 1? Uh, it's somewhat of an odd response from this perspective. From Revelation 4 to Revelation 8 and 1, the church has been anything but silent. Now you may recall that during the opening of the first six seals, the church in heaven is observing, they have a bird's eye view of all the chaos that's taking place here on earth. The horror, men being killed, pestilence, earthquakes. And despite observing the six seals, we read last week from Revelation 4 all the way up to this point, verses where the church cried loudly. They were worshiping, they were praising, and they were singing. And now she is silent in heaven. And the reason? Things are about to go from bad to worse. Things are about to go from bad to worse. As, as if it could get any worse than the first six seals. Now before we begin to take a look at just how bad life will be on earth, I want to have, I want to pause and have a few lessons on a subject rarely taught on. That subject can be found in verse 2. Look at Revelation 8 and verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. I don't know that I have ever had a series on the subject of angels. But I think it's a very, very important subject. And here's why. Number one, God has always used angels in dispensing his judgment on earth. Listen just to these two verses alone. Psalm 78 and 49, he sent upon them his burning anger, fury, and indignation, and trouble, a band of destroying angels. God sent destroying angels. When we get to Revelation 16 and 1, we're going to read these words. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. In the Bible, we have three classes or categories of angels. Seraphim, cherubim, 
and archangels. And sometimes, at first glance, when you're reading a chapter, you may not know which three of these, which one of these three categories or classes is the particular angel in the chapter. And here's why. They're not always described as seraphim, cherubim, or archangels. John was asking me the question, who are the sons of God? Uh, in the Bible, sometimes the sons of God is a reference to Israel. Sometimes the sons of God is a reference to you and I. And sometimes in the Bible, the, the sons of God is a reference to angels. And we have one such example right here in verse 2. Here's the question I want to ask and answer. What class of angels are these seven? There are seven angels in verse 2. What category, class, or rank of angels are they? Now I'm going to take us through five clues. Sometimes in order to determine who they are, uh, you have to look at the clues and unlock them, and you'll begin to know what category or class of angel. And then I'm going to conclude our first lesson on angels by telling you and sharing with you why I think this is perhaps a very important, more so than any other time in the church's history, the church needs a series on the subject of angels. Look at Revelation 8 and 5. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar. And I want you to stop there. I want you to keep in your minds angel and fire. Angels and fire. And notice it says, and threw it, the angel threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds of flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Look, look back up to Revelation 4 and 5. And I want you to be keeping in your mind fire, peals of thunder, sounds and flashes of lightning. And turn back to Revelation 4 and 5. And from the throne proceed what? Flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of what? Fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. In chapter 8, the seven angels are linked to fire. They're linked to peals of thunder and flashes of lightning. But here, in chapter 4, they're described differently. They're not called angels. They're not called seraphim. They're not called cherubim. They're not called archangels. Look at verses 6 through 8 and notice how they're described. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. And the first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes, around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Who are these four living creatures? Well, clue number two. 
Notice in verse 8, how many wings do they have? That's a clue. That, that's going to tell us what kind of an angel they are. Okay? Clue number three. Also notice in verse 8 what they say. What do they say? What are the first three words that come out of their mouths? Holy, holy, holy. So now we have to ask the question, what class of angels are these four living creatures with six wings that say holy, holy, holy? You know, I'm a firm believer that Scripture interprets Scripture. That, that, that's how we get to know the Scriptures, by putting the Scriptures together. Listen carefully as I read Isaiah 6, verses 2 and 3. Listen carefully. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one, out, one called out to, the, to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So let's see who was listening. The four living creatures come from a class of angels called? Seraphim. Seraphim. Clue number four. Listen to what Isaiah writes in chapter 6, verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand. Let's talk about the Hebrew word seraph. Seraphim, seraph. Seraph in Hebrew means fiery. So the, so the seraphim are known for being used of God to dispense fire. Do you remember what we read in Revelation 8 and 5? Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar, and he threw it to the earth. Revelation 14 and 18. Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar. So these four living creatures, they're not called seraphim in Revelation 4, they're not even called angels in Revelation 4, but indeed they come from a particular class or category of angels called the seraphim. So can you see why it's important sometimes to dig deeper into a text in order to determine just who it is being described in whatever chapter you're reading. God sometimes doesn't just come right out and say they're seraphim or cherubim. Uh, he, he sometimes describes them as four living creatures. Now these seven angels, these particular four living creatures, are a combination of cherubim and seraphim. They're not all seraphim. Now why do I say that? Clues. Clues. Look at verse 7, because verse 7 describes them as cherubim. And the first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. Let me make a couple of observations before I reveal what category of angels we have in verse 7. Notice they have a face like that of a man. What if I told you there's no such thing as a female angel? There's no such thing as a female angel in the Bible. All the angels in the Bible that have names, they're all masculine. Michael, Gabriel, Lucifer, a fallen angel, right? Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, is the angel of the Lord in the Older Testament. He's a man. I find it ironic that 
that this truth is something that slips underneath the cracks of what happens. Lori and I were watching one of the Home Shopping Club Network shows today, and they were selling angels. And they're all women. And here's why. Here's how angels are depicted. Gentle and soft and loving. But in the Bible, they throw fire to the earth. Angels are the ones that God uses to dispense judgment. If you don't understand an angel's role, you'll start to depict an angel as this woman who's kind and soft-spoken and friendly and has wings and, and uh, almost a fairy godmother-like type person. But that's not how angels are depicted in the Bible. Not at all. So, in verse 7, we have a very descriptive appearance of this particular angel. Would you agree with me that if you look like a man and a calf and, 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 and a lion and, you, and like an eagle, that's not the run-of-the-mill, everyday-looking angel, right? When, when was the last time you ever looked at an angel on a statue and it looked that way? If you were to give a kid an angel gift that looked like that, their parents would likely disown you for saying, what horror movie did this angel come out of? But, but this is precisely how the angels are described. Now listen to how Ezekiel and what Ezekiel calls this angel in verse 7. Ezekiel 10 and 14. Listen. And each one had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub. The second face was the face of a man. The third face was the face of a lion. And the fourth, the face of an eagle. Who does that sound like? And, and a cherub sounds like who in Revelation 4? What verse? Verse 7. Now wait a minute. Pardon me? It says four creatures. Right. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. That's why I said this is a combination of the seraphim, and we're going to learn the cherub, a cherubim angel. But each angel is not individually one or the other. We're going to get there. Notice it said in Ezekiel 10 and 14, and each one had four faces. How many, four face, how many faces are depicted in verse 7? Four. And Ezekiel calls them cherubim. Now look at verse 8 again. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings. So which one is it? We got four living creatures... But each individual creature seems to have characteristics that are not just one or the other. For example, in verse 8, and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings. What kind of an angel has six wings? Seraphim. So we got four living creatures, and each individual creature takes on the characteristics not just of a seraphim angel, but a cherubim angel. Now, it's hard to know. Commentators don't all agree. Some commentators say we have four living creatures, two of them are seraphim, two of them are cherubim. Why would that be an impossible interpretation? 
why why could that interpretation not um, be accurate in light of what we just learned? First of all, how many living creatures are they? Are there four? four. Are we in agreement? There's only four. There's not eight. There's only four. Each one of them has the characteristics of what, verse 7? And the first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle, and the four living creatures, each one of them has six wings. The cherubim doesn't have six wings. The seraphim has six wings. So now we have each one of them, each one of these four living creatures possesses the characteristics of two different kinds of angels, which brings us to how they were first described. What were they called in Revelation 8? Does anyone remember? Revelation 8 and 2, they're called what? No, Revelation 8 and 2, where we began, how are they described? Are they just said to be angels? You don't have the word the in front of angels? Ah, good. Good. And I saw the seven angels. The article's important. The word the is significant. Let me give you an illustration. I'm always reluctant to use an illustration that I've never tested before. I normally test them on her. She's, she's in, in the bathroom getting ready for work. I'm at my desk thinking of thoughts. And I'll say, Lori, if I were to say to you this, what would you say? I didn't run this one by you. So if this one fails, it's, it's all on me. If I said to you, if I said, Lauren, did you call Donald yesterday? You might say to me, Donald who? Right? But if I were to say to you, did you see the Donald on the news yesterday? You might think of Trump. So I put that little word, the, in front of something, like a name, Donald, and all of a sudden, Donald takes on a whole new meaning. It makes you think of a specific Donald without even using the word Trump, without even using the word president. I just got to say the Donald, and most people know I'm talking about the president of our country. But if I just said Donald, did you see Donald on television yesterday? you might not know who I'm talking about. Now, why am I pointing this out? Because these seven, these seven are unique. These seven, we're going to learn in the Revelation, are different than any other category of angels the Bible has ever known. These seven are angels that you never read about ever anywhere in the Bible, except for in the Revelation. These seven. And it's these seven that are associated with the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. These seven. L let me show you. Look, look at Revelation 6, verse 1. When we began... When we began looking at the first six seals in Revelation 6, notice who we began with. Revelation 6 and 1, And I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the what? Four living creatures saying, as with the voice of thunder, come. Look at verse 3. And when he broke the second seal, 
I heard the second living creature saying, come. Now, there's how many living creatures? No, there's seven. There's seven. Now, we were introduced to four of them in Revelation 4. But now we're going to be introduced to the other three. So you got in verse 3, and when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. Look at verse 6. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Look at verse 7. And when he broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the what? The fourth living creature. So if this is the fourth living creature, what living creature op uh, opened up the, um, or uh, administered the judgment in verse 6? The third one, right? It makes sense. Now what are these called? Look at Revelation 7 verse 1. What are these four living creatures called in Revelation 7 and 1? And after this I saw four angels. So you can't get any clearer than that. Um, these four living creatures are angels. And I took us in a very roundabout way through the Older Testament because I wanted us to see that these descriptions, six wings, faces like a lion, a calf, an eagle, are described in the Older Testament. Now look at, look at, um, look at verse 2. How does verse 2 begin? And I saw another angel. Now let me, let me explain something about this word another. It means, it means the same kind. Another of the same kind. That's what the word another means. L look at, um, so now how many do we have? Five. Good. Look at, um, turn to Revelation 8 and 3. But in, in, I'm sorry, 7 chapter 1, it doesn't say the four angels. It just says four angels that would indicate four more angels different than the seven. That's not what we're going to see. Watch. That's not what we're going to see. These, we're, what we're going to see, and what I'm trying to help us understand, is it's these seven angels that are constantly involved. That's the reason why I took us to verse 2. There's another angel. If, if I add another angel, verse 2, to the 4 in verse 1, how many do I have? Five. Good. So now let's look at Revelation 8 and 3. How does verse 3 begin in Revelation 8? And another angel. Now how many do I have? Six. Turn to Revelation 10 and 1. And I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven. Now how many do I have? Seven. I got seven angels. And, and there's a reason why these particular seven angels cannot be glossed over they have to become a very important part of our study of the Revelation. And here's why. We're going to see them a whole lot for the rest of this book. They're, they're going to be making appearances in and through this book constantly. Why? Because Jesus told his disciples about them. Turn with me to Matthew 13. Turn with me to Matthew 13. Who could tell me, what is, the, what is the Great Tribulation all about? Judgment. Judgment. And what are these angels being used by Jesus to do? To dispense judgment, right? Mm -hmm. To pour out judgment on, on the earth. 
So look at Matthew 13, and I'll read verses 39 through 41. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Therefore, just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all the stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire, in that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who's going to be casting them into the furnace? Angels are going to be doing this. Drop down to verses 49 and 50. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the next time somebody tells you, I can't believe that God would allow somebody to go to hell, tell them the angels will. <laughs> because that's exactly what we're reading. The, the angels are going to do that. And it's not going to be some blonde-haired, blue-eyed angel with two wings and a beautiful statue who, who's gentle and sweet and loving. That, that's not how angels are, are depicted. T turn to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. And I'll read verse 27. Matthew 16, verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of His Father with His angels and will then recompense every man according to his deeds. Now, how many here would agree with me? God doesn't need help, right? God can do everything independent of everything and everyone. But he's using his angels. He's using his angels. Look at Matthew 25, getting a little closer to the period of time of the revelation. In Matthew 24 is the Olivet Discourse. Jesus teaches his disciples about all the signs prior to his second coming to earth. And then in Matthew 25 and 31, we read, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So how many would agree with me that it would behoove me to hit the pause button in the Revelation and talk about angels? Have I laid enough of a foundation that they are critical to our understanding of the judgment that is to come? But I want to give us, I want to give us some important reasons why it's important that every Christian that, that believes the Bible is the Word of God, why every Christian needs to get a little more sharper on the subject of angels. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 11 and 14 says. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as a what? Who can tell me? An angel of light. So what is Paul telling the Corinthians? Well, here's what he's telling the Corinthians. Gullible Christians that are unlearned could be hoodwinked by the devil who will present himself as an angel of light. The book of Hebrews tells us that Christians have actually entertained, have been hospitable to angels unknowingly. Unknowingly. Now those are good angels. 
In the book of Hebrews, those are good angels. But, but here's what we're going to learn. When we get to Revelation 12, how many can tell me what, what portion of the angels fell? Third. A third. That's a lot of angels. You, you know what that means? That means there's a lot of angels that can deceive us. And we don't even know it. I want you to listen to what I've put together about books written about angels. Listen to what one book written about angels says. It prefaces the chapters this way. It is a how-to guide instructing people on methods for contacting angels, communicating with them, and even receiving guidance from them. One well-known secular publisher lists all these titles in its catalogs. Angel Letters, Angel Power, An Angel to Watch Over Me, Angels Bidding, Angels and Aliens, Angels Over Their Shoulders, The Angels Weep, The Angels Within Us, Angels, The Mysterious Messengers, and Ask Your Angels. And that's only in the A column. Listen to this. Communicating with angels is serious business, according to one book. According to the publisher's promotional material, material for the most popular of these books, the authors show us how we can draw on the power of angels to reconnect with our lost inner selves and to achieve our goals, whether they be better relationships, healing and illness, or recovery from addiction. Supposedly, this book will teach the reader how to align with the angelic energy field and learn to talk with your angels. I want you to know, nowhere in the Bible does God instruct his children to do any of these things. As a matter of fact, we're going to learn in the Bible, God forbids his children to do such things. I mean, when, when Kathy, if she was here, she would be able to testify to a story where she abandoned a Bible study that was taking place in a home where they thought there were demons in the home, and they were talking about casting out those demons. You do know what fallen angels are, right? They're demons. If you want to know about demonology, you've got to learn about fallen angels, and, and, and we're not to in any way fight with them. We're not told to, to fight with them. Here are some verbatim quotations from these books. Through the easy techniques presented in this book, you can learn to access and attune to beings such as guardian angels, nature spirits and elementals, spirit totems, archangels, gods, and goddesses, as well as family and friends after their physical death. Also reveals which acupressure points stimulate your intuitive faculties, how to protect yourself from lower-level lower discarnates, and how to conquer fears of the unknown. This is dangerous, dangerous business that, that is going on. Another quote, everyone has a spirit guide or guardian angel who assists him in keeping on chosen karmic path. This cassette tape helps you get in touch with yours. Another quote, you can learn to contact your guardian angel and be receptive to the angelic realm in your daily life. 
learn how to attune to the higher frequencies of spirit, to be more aware of angels and nature spirits, and to communicate with these loving beings in order to develop a deeper appreciation of your own place in creation. See how they're being, they're being promoted to us as, you know, they're loving beings. There's nothing about angels in the Bible that ought to make you want to get warm and fuzzy with them. Another quote, this book enables us to begin to open our hearts to these joyful and comforting protectors so we can raise our consciousness to a new dimension. All, another quote, all the pieces in this unique collection stress the cooperation between humans and angels in the creation of our inner life and even of nature. Who can tell me what angels did in the book of Genesis that they got in a whole lot of trouble for? I know Rafal knows what they did. What did they do? Well, they didn't just mingle. They weren't just having a tat-a-tat. They procreated with human beings. Yeah. Um, Unauthorized party. Yeah. They left their first estate. What were their offspring? The giants. Yeah. Like the Canaanites. And, and there are no more Canaanites. So we're talking about a very important subject that is rarely taught on. And meanwhile, Christians are left to just go to a Christian bookstore and grab some book on angels, thinking that this Christian bookstore has their best interest at heart, and people are led astray from the truth. Demonology, angelology, is real. If you believe your Bible, it's real. It's not make-believe. It's not worms and fuzzies little statues that we're going to put on a child's dresser to make them feel safe when they go to bed at night. It's serious business. One last one. The authors teach you nine specific ways your personal angel protects you. How to call out to your guardian angel. Never are we told to talk to them. Who, who can tell me what Michael the archangel, when he was, when he was in a dispute with, with, with the devil concerning the body of Moses... Do you remember what Michael the Archangel did in the, in the book of Jude? Yeah, but, but he wouldn't do it. Even he wouldn't do it. And one of the things we're going to learn about Michael the Archangel, do you, do you know who he is the angel for? The nation of Israel. He, he is Israel's angel protector their own personal protector. And even when it came to an argument with Lucifer, he knew who to call on. You don't fight angels yourself. That's a battle for the Lord. May the Lord rebuke you, he said. I could read on. There's many more quotes. But I just wanted to establish... What is that? Like all the stuff you're reading from? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can they allow they get this information?